Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on Thursday, November 29th, 2018. I hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving holiday um, last week in our American audience. And I hope all of you uh, that were not part of Thanksgiving at least thought of turkeys and lots of good food. It's my favorite holiday of the year, so that's why I always take it off. Anyway, uh, before I get started with today's news and views, I want to talk about the incident in the Kerch Strait uh, between the Russian warships and the Ukrainian uh, warships. Uh, there's a lot of buzz going around, and uh, there's something I want to bring to people's attention. Anyway, before I get into that, some announcements. Tomorrow we do have a member's vid chat. That will be at 6.30. As usual, I'll be in the chat room early for pre-chat, a little conversation with everybody. So send in your questions. Uh, make sure that you get them in. Um, and then next week, not, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow, and then two weeks from tomorrow, there are also going to be vid chats. I'm front-loading the vid chats in the month of December for the holidays, for uh, Christmas and New Year holiday so on December 7th, uh, we will have a vid chat that will be at 2 o'clock. That's for our European and uh, African members. And then again on the 14th of December, we will have a vid chat again at 6.30 for the Americas and Pacific members. So anyway, if you have vid chat questions that you want to send in early for those other two vid chats, send them in earlier but please mark them for which vid chat that you uh, want to get them in for. Uh, I do archive I do archive the vid chat question. So vid chat tomorrow, a week from tomorrow, and two weeks from tomorrow. All right. So let's get down to it. Uh, you've all by now heard, been hearing the stories about uh, the Ukrainian violation of Russian waters in the Kerch Strait. And I think there's a huge, huge problem here. And there, uh, I want to bring to your attention something that appeared on a Russian site and then was quickly taken down. So I want to start off with the Saker. The article from the Saker will be posted in the uh, actual blog accompanying this news and views. The Saker has the headline about the latest Ukro Nazi provocation in the Kerch Strait. This appeared on the 26th, just three days ago. And it's this article that I am relying on to form kind of the context or the backdrop for the second article, which just blew me away. But the second article does, uh, I think, rationalize certain things rather well. All right, so let's get started with the Saker. I'm going to be reading just a few paragraphs from his article. I will link the whole article for you so that you can read the whole thing. He says, quote, I will add that at the time of the ride of this writing, 738, the cargo ship blocking the passage, this is on November 26th, under the bridge, this is the bridge over the Kerch Strait connecting uh, the Transcaucasus region with the Crimean Peninsula, uh, has been removed. Traffic has resumed, and the situation has returned to normal. Second, let me give you the single most important element to understand what is and is not taking place. The Sea of Azov and the Black Sea are, in military terms, Russian lakes. 
That means that Russia has the means to destroy any and all ships or aircraft over these two seas. On the Black Sea, the life expectancy of any intruder would be measured in minutes. On the Sea of Azov, in seconds. And the Sea of Azov uh, is, the, of course, that body of water between the Crimean Peninsula and Rostov na Donau, which is uh, on the very tip of the Sea of Azov. So it's that tiny little sea north of the Black Sea and north of the Kerch Strait. Uh, this means that Russia has the means to destroy any and all ships or aircraft over these two seas. On the Black Sea, the life expectancy of any intruder would be measured in minutes on the Sea of Azov in seconds. Let me repeat here that any and all ships deployed in the Black Sea and the Sea of Azov are detected and tracked by Russia, and they can all easily be destroyed. The Russians know that. The Ukrainians know that, and here it comes, and I think here the Saker is absolutely correct, and of course the Empire knows that. Now let me stop. What he's implying there is that this action took place not simply by the Ukraine acting unilateral, but he's really implying that the Ukraine acted as a proxy for the Anglosphere, for the for the Western financial oligarchs, and particularly America, but also the the uh, globalist powers in the West. All right, that's what he's implying. Again, keep that in mind when trying to make sense of what happened. And what I'm suggesting that Tsaker is really saying here is that you keep the empire in mind as to what really happened in addition simply to the Russians responded, responding so heavily to this intrusion. We'll get back to that in a minute. Third, whether the waters in which the incident happened belong to Russia or not is entirely irrelevant. Everybody knows that Russia considers these waters as belonging to her, and those disagreeing with this have plenty of options to express, express their disagreement and challenge the legality of the Russian position. Trying to break through waters Russia considers her own, her own with several armed military vessels is simply irresponsible and, frankly, plain stupid, especially considering point number two above. That is simply not how civilized nations behave, and there are plenty of contested waters on our planet. And again, go back to what he just implied. This was an action taken by the Ukraine, but I believe tacitly with the blessing, if not the... Uh, insistence, let's put it that way, of, of the globalist empire forces. Fourth, one should not be too quick in dismissing Poroshenko's latest plan to introduce martial law for the next 60 days. Albeit Poroshenko himself declared that this mobilization does not mean that the Ukro-Nazi regime wants war with Russia. The fact is the first-line reserves will be mobilized. This is important because the situation resulting from the introduction to martial law could be used to covertly increase the number of soldiers available for an attack on Novo Russia or, God forbid, Russia itself. In fact, Poroshenko also officially appealed to the veterans of the war against Novo Russia to be ready for deployment. Now, I'm skipping a couple paragraphs here. Considering the current single-digit popularity rating of Poroshenko, and the fact that he has no chance in hell to be re-elected, at least not in minimally credible conditions, 
it is pretty darn obvious why the Ukro-Nazi regime in Kiev decided to trigger yet another crisis and then blame Russia for it. The very last thing Russia needs is yet another crisis, especially not before a possible Putin-Trump meeting at the G20 Buenos Aires, Buenos Aires summit later this month. And in fact, President Trump, I heard just today, has canceled his meeting with President uh, Putin at the G20 summit. In fact, the Ukrainian bloggers immediately saw this latest provocation as an attempt to scrap the upcoming elections in the Ukraine. Finally, let me address those who might think that Russia somehow overreacted or should not have used force. First, let me remind you that we are talking about armed and military vessels, not fishing boats, and that's true. These were Ukrainian warships. Secondly, the Ukro-Nazis have been daydreaming about bringing this bridge down even before it was built. So where, how were the Russians to know that these ships were not packed with explosives? Folks, that's the key right there. That's the key right there. And we're going to get back to that. Third, let me remind you that a few months ago, the Ukro-Nazis did send a few tiny military vessels under the bridge. This is also true. That first time, listen carefully, that first time, they did ask for permission and even had a Russian pilot on board helping them to cross the narrow passage. So in other words, the, the protocol is that if the Ukraine wants to access those waters, they get permission from Russia. Russia says, fine, they send a pilot, they navigate the waters. Now, I'm going to suggest here as an initial component of my high-octane speculation that that initial request may have been a quiet scouting or reconnaissance mission because as the Saker points out, how did the Russians know or how did they not know that there may not have been explosives on some of those ships designed to take down that bridge? We'll get back to that. Uh, the regime in Kiev presented that as a major victory against Moscow. This time around, they tried to sneak by without even asking. If the Russians had let them pass, what do you think they would have done the next time? And then he concludes, this is the Saker once again, it is obvious that the Nazi regime, his words, not mine, in Kiev is in a tailspin and that short of some dramatic action, Poroshenko is a goner. Most of the gang around him won't fare much better, especially not if Timoshenko ever gets the presidency, which might happen if the empire decides to dish Poroshenko. For them, the options are either to leave the Ukraine or face some serious jail time, sort of the same situation Saakashvili had to face in Georgia. Now, let me end there. That's the Saker. Now, just recently, there has been a story surfacing, and there's only one source that I could find for this story, and I'm linking that with this article, but I do believe that this may be uh, a legitimate story, and I, I will leave it up to you to make up your own mind, but I'm suspecting, again, that the Saker's onto something. This action had something to do with saving Poroshenko's butt and also a, an action that was at least tacitly permitted by, if not insisted upon, by the empire. 
uh, to bring down the Kerch Strait Bridge. All right, that's the key here. So I'm reading from this second article. This uh, appeared on a site called Seek Semper Tyrannus. Okay, and uh, I'm going to read just a couple of paragraphs from this article. Very important info appeared briefly on Russian media before being scrubbed that a NATO SADM, that's a special atomic demolition munition, possibly a diver deployable device, was being transported by the Ukraine and British special forces to the Kerch Strait to be used on the Crimean Bridge. The device was being tracked by the Russians, and they knew it had been loaded onto a Ukrainian tug escorted by five warships, three in the Black Sea, including one NATO vessel and two waiting in the Sea of Azov. This is why the Russians reacted. And in fact, he goes on to say, they never react with force and have never blockaded the Sea of Azov. Ground attack jets and helicopter gunships, plus a warship armed with anti-submarine munitions and torpedoes, were waiting. That's a hefty response for just an incursion by a few Ukrainian corvettes. This level of force would not be used just for a tugboat and a few old Ukrainian ships, but a tug carrying a tactical nuclear device about to bring down one of the world's most strategic bridges, a bridge hated by NATO, as per the recent op-ed in the Washington Examiner, titled, The Ukraine Should Bomb the, the Crimean Bridge. The Ukraine regularly provokes Russia to little effect, but today the Russians reacted to stop a terrible event, and so on and so forth. And folks, I tend to think that there may be some traction with that story. This may have been an attempt to bring down that bridge and incite or provoke Russia into a much stronger response, that would have been something that the Russians could not have ignored. And um, again, it's the empire, I think, playing for time to save its own butt. Now, I want to go back to something to put this in a little bit of context for you and for you to understand the Russian reaction here. I want to go back a few years, and I've mentioned this in uh, some Nefarium News and Views. I've mentioned this in our members' vid chats. I've talked about this on several radio talk show interviews. A few years ago, after this new Ukrainian regime took power, amid a lot of controversy, not the least of which were Monsanto getting special port rights, to the Ukraine, and so on and so forth. In other words, there's a GMO story and lots of money lurking in the background here as well. And that was a remark that was made by one of President Putin's top advisors by the name of Sergei Glazyev, an economic advisor. And he wrote a lengthy piece in which he said, and I'm quoting as close to his exact words as I can, our problem is not with the Nazis in Kiev, it's with the Nazis in Washington, unquote. And that was not hyperbole. If you, if you read that statement in context, uh, this, is, this is simply his assessment of the regime at that time in Washington, willing to do anything to bring down Russia. 
this, I think, is the context in which we have to view some of these recent moves. There's no doubt in my mind that Mr. Walrus Mustache, John Bolton, may have a hand in some of this. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, the United Kingdom may be behind this, as that allegation said. There, there is a reason the Russians reacted so strongly to this provocation and blocked the access beneath the bridge by that cargo ship. There's a reason they did that. I'm strongly suspecting that this was an intended attack on that bridge. The Russians, thank God, stopped it. And now we're back to square one. Now, where does that put us in the summit? And I'm speculating again here wildly, folks. President Trump, as I've already mentioned, has already canceled his meeting with President Putin at the G20 summit in Buenos Aires. I strongly suspect that you're going to see them nevertheless have an informal meeting while they're there. Uh, because I think both both uh, regimes are under severe internal threat now from more warlike factions to do something. Certainly Putin is under a similar type of pressure. So um, this was, I think, a narrowly averted event. There's more going on to this story. There is a purely fascist regime in control in Kiev that does, the Russians are right, that does have some connection to the World War II Ukrainian fascists. Not that the Ukrainians have any love lost for communism. Let's not forget that the butcher of Kiev, Nikita Khrushchev, uh, helped send many Ukrainians to the gulag and starvation. So there's a big history going on here. But the bottom line right now is I think you've got a fascist cadre, I've said this for many years, that's been in control of the Ukraine, and they've got their puppet masters in the major capitals of the West, Berlin, Paris, London, Washington, D.C., and that they're answering to other uh, puppeteers that are much more powerful. Bad situation, folks. Bad, bad, bad. So anyway, that's it for today's news and views, my wild high-octane speculation of the day that this bomb story may have some traction. Uh, I've put the links up for you. Uh, don't forget our vid chats. Vid chat tomorrow. Get your questions in. Uh, we have a vid chat then again uh, a week from tomorrow and then again two weeks from tomorrow. Tomorrow will be at 6.30, the one a week from tomorrow at 2, and again the one two weeks from tomorrow again at 6.30. So that's it, folks. We'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye, and God bless.